Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Today, Tara Millette shares her deepest, darkest failure story, <laughs> and I might share one too. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome to the LeadX Show, helping you to stand out and to get ahead. Today, of course, we're broadcasting live to our Facebook audience. And podcast listeners, if you want to be notified when we go live on Facebook, just go to LeadX Life on Facebook, like the page, turn on notifications, and then you'll get a little reminder when we go live on video. And today, of course, is the weekly wrap-up show. This is where we get to take our time. We get to rant about whatever we feel like ranting about. And we answer some of your questions. And, of course, I am joined today by LeadX editor Tara Millette. Hello, Tara. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm always off our game with this technology. We're trying to work with Facebook Live. I don't know, like, how how this is working for everybody. It's a little <laughs> bit of a struggle to get into the mood, but how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I, uh, I'm having a new crisis of fitness, uh, oh. because as you know, yesterday was my boyfriend's birthday. So I baked him an incredibly decadent cake, too much nice. butter, so much <laughs> butter. No one needs that much butter. And yet <laughs> I used that much butter. And I just woke up feeling like, God, you know, I'm turning 30 at the end of this month. It's probably time I invest in some kind of fitness routine before I just can't leave the house anymore. So that's been my new headspace today. I'm like, I got to find a way to kind of get that going. And I know you talk about that a lot, too, about kind of trying to find a good rhythm. So it's yeah. crazy. I um, That's a big birthday coming up. And I uh -huh. do have to tell you, you know, being a couple decades further down the road, it doesn't get easier. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah, like to start that habit now. Start that habit now. It's not going to get easier. You know, I say that every year, too. I'm like, you know, I got to do it now before it's so hard to start. And uh, and every year I keep saying it. So we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping I can get around to it. But uh Maybe some maybe some tips will come up from our listeners and watchers and, and I can kind of steal their steal their know how. Yeah, sounds good. So is he gonna is Ryan gonna make you some kind of decadent cake uh, at the end of the month for your birthday? You know, he better. <laughs> <laughs> so that means he can bake. Or maybe you know what? I'll probably just have to eat vegetables from here on out. So maybe he can just steam me some broccoli and stick a candle in it, and I'll just have to deal with that. <laughs> with enough butter, the broccoli might uh, might go down yeah. just fine. Butter and salts, that'll make the difference on that. <laughs> You're forgetting cheese, but anyway. Yeah, true, true. But, um, uh, yeah. I um, was hoping that I was going to be able to report that I finished another chapter. I'm so close on the book I've been working on. So yeah. by the end of today, but it was kind of neat. Um the chapter I'm writing is uh, it, it's actually about this thing I talk about on LeadX uh, all the time about if leadership is influence, then we need to remember that we're influencing all the time everywhere, you know, whether we want to or not. And I put up a little really a short um, post on my LinkedIn profile. If anybody wants to follow me or connect on LinkedIn um, and it's it's. <laughs> it's been read 60,000 times in the last day and a half. Wow. And what it was is the I shared a couple of the research papers 
that show the power of if you have dinner with your kids at night. And now this is a really, and I say it in a thing, like this is a kind of an emotionally triggering thing because the survey suggests that about 47% of families in the United States eat dinner together five or more nights of the week, most of the time. But that means half or a little more than half are not. And I think there's all kinds of parent. I mean, I, I'm speaking myself like there's parental guilt out there and just, tr you know, struggling to try to be super parent and super worker and <laughs> exercise and all that. Mm -hmm. But the data was pretty clear. Like if you if you do have dinner at home with your teenagers, your daughters are half as likely to use cigarettes, alcohol, or pot in high school. So you cut that risk of like substance abuse in half wow. if you have dinner, you know, at, at home. And then there was another one that's a little unusual, which is that um, most parents, you know, really are hoping that their teenagers are uh, not sexually active, you know, in high school and they worry about all that. <laughs> yeah. And for those who actually have, you know, dinner at home most nights, you cut the risk that your kids are sexually active in high school by a third. And so again, it's like, there's no bystander here. It's like, if you're, you're either having dinner at home with your kids or you're not yeah. in one direction, you're cutting the risk of risky behaviors in half. The other direction, it doubles, you know? So, um, and, and I'm a single parent. It's hard. I'm not perfect. There's plenty of weeks where I don't hit that five mark. Uh, but it's been interesting because it's gotten passed along a lot. And of course, all the people who are having dinner with their kids, they're leaving notes and high-fiving each other <laughs> and stuff. And then there's a few others who are, you know, suggesting that um, it's not realistic or they have different kinds of quality time. But the studies show that dinner is a unique thing. Like it, it's, you know, it's independent of your feelings of connectedness to your parents, your communication. Uh, and they don't even know really why. They don't. It might be something as simple as there's just less time for your teenagers to be out getting into trouble. I don't know. Um, but that was the sort of the big thing. I stumbled, I was doing the research for the chapter. You know, I love procrastinating. So I'm like, oh, let me share this wisdom on LinkedIn. And then boom, it's just become like this huge, uh, huge topic. So anyway, I just thought that was fun and wanted to share it with the podcast audience. That's super interesting. What a weirdly specific correlation. I had no idea. And I, I was lucky enough to have consistently, I would say, uh, you know, meals, dinner with my parents most nights throughout high school. And uh, I, I never smoked or drank. I was going to say, I don't know all. how many details of your high school social life you want to share, but I was in an all girls <laughs> private school. So it was, it was pretty easy for me to stay not sexually active. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, I mean, you know, for well, others, you know, whatever. But I, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. I was, I was pretty kind of sheltered from that stuff, I think. And maybe, you know, we had the bad girls at school that smoked and stuff, but I, you know, but I never partook and, and I wonder, you know, what, what it really was in my psychology that allowed that to happen. That's super interesting. No wonder it went viral. I mean. Yeah, I know. Again, it's, we're leading, we're, we're leading as parents, leading at work. It's, it's unavoidable. Cool stuff. So I know we're getting ready to do the iTunes review of the week. And Tara, I just sure hope that this is being recorded by uh, Facebook since we have no live viewers right now. I would sure hate to have to record this show all over again in an hour. <laughs> yes, I would too. But then again, maybe people are just so intimidated by how great this show is right now. 
I love that. That they're like, you know what? I'll, I'll save that for later. It's going to be good for later. A little treat. It's good thinking. It's good thinking. And I do need to remember that today we're broadcasting through the Kevin Cruz channel. It's being right. shared on the LeadX. So we might have like a million listeners over on the LeadX page. And, you know, they're just not showing up on the Kevin Cruz page. So oh, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. We got a million viewers. I like it. <laughs> a lot of pressure, though. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get to our iTunes review of the week, right? Um, we had a lot this week. Uh, you sent me a whole batch. Mm. I, I picked one of those because I thought they were also great, but we've been getting a lot of great responses, so I encourage people to keep doing that. But this one in particular is from Matt Walker. He's a mid-level manager in an Australian government department, and he wrote, uh, Kevin and his variety of guests constantly provide fresh leadership coaching perspectives that inspire you to become a better leader every day. And as a bonus, it is both engaging and entertaining. This podcast has been a consistent source of ideas for self-improvement, for myself as a leader, and for guiding others to also improve. Try an episode. You won't be disappointed, and you'll likely be hooked Love that review. Matt, you may have to write some of our copy because that <laughs> was pretty slamming. Um, and Matt very kindly uh, requested, instead of getting uh, some awesome LeadX swag that we donate to uh, Cerebral Palsy Alliance, which is a benefactor of the September campaign that he's involved with. Uh, so we're going ahead and doing that uh, for you, Matt. And thank you for doing that. That's always a, a great thing to do. And uh, yeah, I just want to encourage any listeners, uh, viewers <laughs> out there, please uh, write a review on our iTunes uh, and then reach out to us at info at leadx.org and uh, we'll send you some cool swag as a thank you, perhaps a mug, perhaps a t-shirt. Uh, and anyone else out there, please uh, subscribe and um, leave a, a quick, you can leave that rating on leadx.org. I think it's slash subscribe is the right way to do it. So go ahead and do that and reach out to us and, uh, and we might uh, you know, talk about it on air. So thanks again, Matt, that was great. And I also wanna remind people, you know, I don't think we've talked about this enough that in addition to the, the, the podcast show and the weekly show on Facebook, we're doing a ton of other free training over at leadx.org, including uh, weekly webinars, you know, free training from some of our guests. So for example, you know, last Friday we had uh, Wendy Sachs and she was teaching us all about uh, how to build higher levels of confidence, how to pivot in our career. So it was sort of a career focused one. And today, meaning the day the podcast goes live, September mm -hmm. 15th, um, we have a live webinar. Uh, most of them are at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and the, the the one for September 15th is Jonathan Raymond. Now, he's the author of Good Authority. Uh, he'll be teaching for an hour how to be a great manager. And, you know, he – I probably quote him more than any of our other guests because he's got a phrase. He says, be more Yoda, less Superman. Yes, so as leaders, yes. you know, we want to solve problems and help people and all the rest. But that actually isn't growing people. That's not growing the next, you know, generation of talent. But Yoda asks questions. Yoda is a little weird. But um, – <laughs> Be more like Yoda, less like Superman. But my point, Tara, <laughs> be more I do weird. have one, is yeah. um, to tell everybody, you got to get over to leadx.org and sign up for our email list uh, because this is the way we, we'll tell you every week. Like, hey, there, here's the free training of the week. I do some of the sessions. We have outside experts. We have our guests doing free webinars. So there's a lot of cool stuff over there. Just go to leadx.org. 
Yeah, that was my reminder. <laughs> nice. I like it. And uh, yeah, I think we might be ready to take some questions. So anyone out there on the Facebook Live video who uh, has a question for us, feel free to go ahead and type those in now, and we'll see if we can answer a few of those at the uh, at the end here. Are you all set? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or are you, do you need a moment? <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm like losing my place, uh, losing my place on, online. We have, um, okay. actually David out on our, on our live audience, uh, was, was cracking me up. He says, do, do or do not, there is no try. So he's just riffing off the Yoda comment, which I love. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, let's just go right into, uh, right into questions. Sure. Okay. So this one is from Joe Grenhoff, I believe it's pronounced. Feel mm -hmm. free to uh, butcher me for that later, Joe. Uh, it's actually a fan comment first, so we can talk about it a little later. Um, I love the Ledex show. Something to look at for a career tip is Toastmasters. If you aren't familiar with it, Toastmasters helps with public speaking, communication, and leadership skills. Visiting a club is free and becoming a member is very affordable. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, I know I've not been a Toastmaster member myself. Um, my father was, so I've known about Toastmasters ever since I was a kid. And I mean, dozens and dozens of the best public speakers and presenters I know have gone through Toastmasters. And it's not just for people who want to do professional speaking or, or do it a lot. I mean, one of the fundamental things you'll get out of it is we all have in casual conversation, verbal pauses, the ums, the ahs, and a new one is like, people say mm -hmm. like a lot. And, and I do it I, all the time. But when you're presenting, you know, in, in the boardroom, in the conference room, or in front of an audience, you want to get those verbal pauses out. And so that's like a fundamental thing that Toastmasters can get you to kind of overcome very quickly. So, Joe, I, I appreciate that reminder. We hadn't talked about Toastmasters before, and that is a great career tip. It's so true. And uh, even just thinking about trying to eliminate uhs and ums and likes is making me itchy. Like it's it sounds it so makes me do more of them. Right? It makes me do yeah. more of them as soon as I'm, I become aware. I'm more aware of it. Yeah, it's so funny. But that's a great that's a great tip. Thank you, Joe. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, my name is Stephen from Berlin, Germany. Uh, right now, I'm working around 40 to 45 hours a week at a tax accountant office. And besides the job, I'm studying to become a certified tax accountant. And I also have a little girl of one and a half years old and a beautiful wife who wants to have another baby. My normal day looks like this. Get up around 5.30 a.m., depending on the little one. Gotta be at work until 5 p.m. Afterwards, uh, I have class until 8.30 p.m. or I'm home taking care of the little one and then learning from around 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. During the weekend, I'm either having class or studying. It's a lot of pressure. And sometimes I don't know what to do and hope to get some input to get some of the pressure off. Any tips or suggestions on how to handle everything? Yes, Stephen. Uh, thanks for writing in. Congrats on on your family and and wanting to to do it all. Now we've gotten versions of this question uh, before, so I think that the short answer is, you know, when it comes to how do you do everything, how do you do it all, you can't. So again, there's 1,440 minutes in the day. We can't make more minutes. Uh, they're going to go somewhere. And so the big picture around extreme productivity, which is get as much done as possible and lower the stress, is to be mindful. So, 
you know, Steven sounds like you're, you've probably got this figured out, but you think about what at this point in my life is most important. My, my job, uh, my family, and it's sounding like the third is, is studying for the test. And then you just think ahead of time, okay, so how many hours a day, hours a week am I going to do for the job? You mentioned 40 or 45. Um, how many hours is going to be for the family time? And once you think it through, again, you can't make more time, so you just acknowledge this is the plan and I'm going to work the plan. And you tend to sleep better at night and not feel the stress because you're just doing what you can do. Now, I will say, though, uh, you know, the 15 secrets to extreme productivity, there's a lot of different ways where you can get the most out of every hour. The ones I would suggest, Stephen, that you you review or go to is, you know, remember that it, it's not really about time. It's about energy and focus. So, you know, you could let's say you're studying after a long day of work. For myself, you know, if I'm awake and alert and high energy, you know, maybe I'll be able to study, I don't know, 10 pages or 15 pages of material. But if I'm half asleep and I'm sluggish and I'm unfocused, maybe I'm only going to be able to study seven pages. So it's the same amount of time, but the productivity is different. So don't forget about the energy portions. Um, an easy one is you want to drink a ton of water. Water gives us energy. Most of us drink probably half the water we really should be drinking. I encourage people to go up to uh, a gallon a day. I saw Tara sipping uh, as I was reminding everyone about, about water. Um, I would also say when it comes to sleep, the thing that people don't realize is maybe you can't get seven or eight hours of sleep, but it's about quality sleep. It's about deep sleep. So a lot of people, especially those with small kids, they think they're getting seven hours of sleep, although they'll claim that they're sleeping for seven hours, but you're waking, you're staying in shallow sleep. You're waking up, even if you don't remember waking up. So even if you say, well, I'm going to sleep less, but I'm going to find a way to keep it quiet, keep it dark, keep it cool, and try to get a deeper sleep, that's going to help uh, with the energy. The other you know, success tip from those 15 secrets is, is delegation. And that sounds weird. You know, how do you delegate what you're doing now? Um, delegation takes many forms. So at home, is it that, uh, um, you know, there's a family member, you know, a, a mom or a mother-in-law that can come in and take 30 minutes a day or two hours, one afternoon a week, uh, with your daughter to, to, to help out, you know, is there some, is there a neighbor kid that you can throw, 15 euros to to give you a date night one night a week or something. So try to think about, you know, you can sort of buy time with money in this delegation uh, uh, frame. But having said that, I don't know, Stephen, that what you're describing, I mean, it's tough, but it's like my entire 20s, you know, it was work my butt off, take care of babies. That was pretty much it. I mean, I did not have a day off or vacation or fun or anything. Now, I should have put exercise in, but you are just in a hard time of life. So, you know, be be gentle on yourself. You can't do it all. And your your wife, your kids, they need you to be healthy and happy for the long haul. They need you to be available physically and emotionally. So so do what you can and realize that, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. And uh, times will get better. Um, Tara's about ready to find out. 30s are even better than the 20s. So uh, <laughs> so things calm down. So that that would be my long advice for Stephen. That's great, Kevin. I love all of that. Um, I also think, you know, something you said is really important is just realizing that, you know, it's it's not going to be an easy time. And no, you're not going to be able to be everything to everyone at every, every moment. 
um, and relieving yourself of the expectation that you should somehow be accomplishing everything perfectly um, is probably going to do a lot of help. You know, just realizing, hey, it's going to be a busy time, and that's what life's about. Sometimes everything converges; it's a kind of perfect storm. And it's just about getting through it and realizing also that it's temporary, right? And that a lot of these steps that that Stephen seems to be taking is to uh, ensure that he has a great career, right? You know, right. studying on the side, that's a great goal. And then eventually you're not gonna be studying, right? You're gonna be just working. Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind and keeping your overall goals in mind and, and, and cutting yourself some slack, I think is a great way to think about it. Awesome. All right, Stephen, uh, keep us up to date on that. You know, keep reaching out. Let us know how things are going. We want to hear how that goes. Uh, and I think we actually have a fancy question from our awesome audio uh, app thing, right? <laughs> we, we do from a super fan, TC Thompson. And it's a good awesome. time to remind people, all of you listeners out there, if you want to submit a question for the weekly show, please go to leadx.org slash askkevin. And there's a little button, you click it, you can just say your question out loud, hit a button, and then it arrives in our email inbox so that we can play it uh, on, on the show. Uh, feel free to email us questions as well, but this is, you know, it's nice to hear your voice asking the question sort of in person. So let me play it and we'll listen from uh, a question from T.C. Thompson. Hey, Kevin, Tara. Fellow LeadX contributor T.C. Thompson here. I've been with you since early on, but many folks who listen may not have. So I was wondering, could you share a time, maybe early in each of your careers, when you failed? And what did you learn from it? So he's flipping the table on us, Tara. Wow. Wow, T.C. So for, for everyone who listens to our daily show, of course, that's always our leadoff question. And... Uh, uh, I, I had gotten an email from someone else there recently, you know, so a listener who said, I, I laugh because everybody always makes the same first joke about like only yeah. one failure. And it's true. And of course, I laugh every time like, ha, 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 that's true, because every, everyone's going to do that. There was one guest and I won't say who it is. So we've had 100 guests so far. Oh, yeah. And one guy. And in the pre-show, I said, hey, I just want to remind you, like the first question is your failure. He's like, my failure? Huh. Like, yeah, do you want a, a couple of seconds? He's like, sure. And it like took him forever. He says he couldn't think of a failure. So finally came up with one. But I'm like, who is this guy that doesn't think he's ever had a failure to share? Maybe he was I, making it <laughs> too big or something. I must study under this man because <laughs> that sounds like a great way to go through life, to just be like, no, no, I never fail. I'm perfect. I, I succeed or I become awesomer. Those are the only two options. <laughs> so, Tara, you go first. What's, oh, uh, what's, what's a failure story you want to share? Just one? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about one that I actually kind of delved into a little bit in one of my pieces on LeadX, where I talked about learning not to interrupt as much. Uh, it was kind of wrapped up in a, in a, in a bigger issue, which was, you know, I, I'd been in comedy for years and I got my first big, you know, grown up comedy writing um, gig. And it was a more professional environment. I kind of had built these habits around a really kind of hot mess of comedians just trying to kind of one up each other and, you know, make ideas better and talking over each other. And it's really energetic. And I was used to that way of interacting with other comedians and, and being creative and pitching things. And I kind of brought all of those habits to the table um, where no one had really asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I delivered the wrong dish. And uh, 
And so I was bringing these habits and I didn't realize, right? I think I'm being enthusiastic. I think I'm being energetic. I think I'm adding to the, you know, the dialogue. And then a coworker complained about me to my Jeez. boss. And it was the first time I'd really, cause I, I like to think of myself as relatively easygoing, but it was the first time that, you know, that I'd, I'd acted in such a way that someone felt they needed to go to their higher up to address my behavior. And it really hurt. I was yeah. really surprised how much it hurt. And of course my, knee-jerk reaction was like, well, he's wrong. I'm, I'm a really cool person. He's <laughs> crazy. This is how comedy is. And um, after that kind of initial initial uh, reaction, I, I actually really started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Um, you know, what, what I thought was adding on to something other people are obviously interpreting as me thinking that their idea isn't worth finishing and that mine is better. And that's really all that mattered. You know, my intent in that moment didn't matter as much as the impression it was giving. Uh, and if the intent and the impression are matching up, then I was doing something wrong. So once I kind of took that on board and relaxed a little bit, and it probably felt like I had something to prove. Uh, but once I kind of relaxed, I felt like I got better, too. My ideas got better. Uh, the dialogue got better. Uh, so... That was kind of one of the more monumental moments in my professional career where I really just didn't get it until I did. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're being really good about saying like, okay, you know, yeah, it was on me and I learned and I got better. But is was that the case or is this just a cultural issue? Like, I think there are some companies that really have a sparring culture. Like, we're mm -hmm. going to, we're going to red team every idea and tear you down before it becomes better. And then I think there's others that are very collegial and everything's kind of, you know, soft spoken. So was it a cultural issue as well? Or no, it was just your communication was coming off wrong. Uh, it, it was a bit of both. If I'm honest, you know, I, I think I contributed in the wrong direction and that made things worse culturally. But yeah, I, I agree. There was culturally, there were some issues in that place, I would argue. And, uh, but the, the point being was that I didn't come in trying to learn the culture and adapt yeah. to it and react to it in a way that was a little less, you know, kind of in everyone's face. And I think that might've been maybe the mistake is just not kind of taking the time to assess what this environment is, you know, what's expected of me, how are other people acting? What's the dynamic here? And kind of leaning into that. Instead, I just kind of burst in with my own shtick yeah. um, without uh, taking that into account. So, I mean, yes and no to your point. Uh, yeah, some comedy rooms are gonna be super wild and obnoxious and, and any creative, I think, endeavor is gonna be like that. But then there's some times where you just have to take a beat and see what's going on and then go from there. So a few times, like I've heard like SNL, former, uh, you know, SNL, uh, Saturday Night Live veterans, SNL uh, comics talk about what it was like in the pitch meetings uh, at SNL. And it's funny because I, you know, as just a fan, a TV viewer, I would think, wow, if you're on SNL, like you're a big star and you're famous and all this stuff. And yet over and over again, they all sound so insecure because they're fighting for to get their bits on the air right mm -hmm. that week to get to get their ideas. And um, it, it was amazing to me all the little subtle, subtle things where they would swap favors about like, OK, well, you don't talk much this week because you got two bits on last week. I need the, to fight or you're, if you support my idea, I'll support your idea. And it was interesting that even in this, what I would have thought is both professional, but like creatively supportive environment of SNL, it sounded pretty vicious. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, because again, like if you don't, I'm sure you're worried as a writer that if you don't get a certain amount of sketches up, then yeah. they're going to fire you. You know, yeah, your job yeah. depends on how much value you bring week to week. And yeah. so in that respect, yeah, Mindy Kaling and her book has a great uh, bit about that. They asked her to guest write on SNL one week and she was like, it was just so not for me. She described yeah. it exactly as you did, just things falling flat in the room and people snickering and it was kind of tough. Um, and, sh and she was like, yeah, I just decided that wasn't for me. It's, you know, it's a weird environment. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I agree. I think there's the perception that it's this kind of wild, fun romp. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it can be pretty, pretty stringent. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's a good one. What about you, though? I mean, I, I feel I, like you've shared a few, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, I think uh, TC and the longtime listeners, I mean, the one I tend to go to was the first business I started right out of college. Um, and, you know, I, I guess to remind everyone, though, like, again, the right way to think about all this is that, unlike our friend who couldn't come up with a single failure, I mean, I would say, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, I mean... We're, we fail at pretty much 80% of what we do. And I think, you know, with the businesses I've started, it's been about 50-50. So, like, I've had some that have hit big and I've had, you know, really disastrous uh, failures, expensive failures. Uh, as a writer, you know, I've had a couple of books that do really, really well and sell globally in multiple languages and all that. Uh, and, like, the last one I did, I'm zero, practically zero copies. I mean, it's it's not, which is another interesting thing about career, right? It's not like once you make it, you make it. Right. I think it's, you, you, you show up and the score is zero every day or every year and you got to do it again. And so, you know, I think the, the bigger takeaway is just, it's like uh, investors will talk about portfolio theory. Like you, if you just bet on one stock or invest in one company, it's very risky. It could go, you know, go down. If you invest in 10 stocks or 10,000 stocks, which is what I do, then, you know, over you're betting on the whole thing over time, you know, succeeding. And so that's the way I've been with how we run LeadX. Like we experiment with things all the time. I experimented with last month's podcast interviews and I messed it up, you know, and I could tell it wasn't in sync. I'm going to try something different next week with those interviews. <laughs> we'll see if that's, you know, any better. You know, we, we just rolled out. Uh, tried to roll out a viral marketing thing and no one's using it. And I looked at it yesterday and I figured out why, and it's a very expensive and time consuming mistake that we're going to have to fix. So the, the failures are all over the place. Um, my biggest was that first company, you know, I, I 21 years old, right out of college, had no money. Uh, so I was, uh, living off of a credit card, um, sleeping under my desk. You had a one room office and I would sneak out early in the morning before the landlord showed up. It was inside an accounting firm. Wow. Shower at the YMCA and come back. And I would work, um, you know, from six in the morning to midnight. And I did that for 365 days, including Christmas, birthdays, everything, you know, straight through. And then shut it down because it just wasn't working. I, you know, I, at the end of a year, I was staring into that YMCA mirror and as much as I want, you know, this is 30 years, almost 30 years ago. So that, I mean, they're, they're huge today, but back then this is when Michael Dell and Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were just getting going. I mean, I saw Bill Gates give this visionary keynote, you know, 20 feet from me. And so it was a great time to be doing all that, but looking back 
at me in that mirror was no Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or uh, anybody like that. You know, I was I put fifteen thousand dollars on my credit card. You know, hadn't slept in a bed in a year and had no nothing to show for it. So I had to shut that down. Um, and that and I basically got a job, paid off the credit card, and then did it again because I had credit card I could use. That one failed. You know, so it's it was not. Um, at all easy and I didn't have um, like other business failures that have been more recent they haven't been as dramatic like sleeping on the floor living out of my car kind of stuff but money wise they're worse <laughs> so you know it's like you end up with a little bit of money in the bank you put a bigger bet down on you know oh I'm a genius now that was when I was young and dumb that I didn't know what I was doing yeah well it's humbling you know it still happens so yeah, I mean, th that was the biggest business failure from a like life experience wise. I've had half a million dollar financial failures, you know, since then. Um, and I see us making mistakes. Well, I'll speak for myself. I see me making mistakes, like definitely weekly, if not daily. But uh, it, it's just an experiment. It's like, okay, that's that's one way not to do a podcast interview. <laughs> so we just keep we just keep at it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, do you think like, has your attitude towards failure changed a lot since you were younger? Like, did, do you become kind of numb to it? Are you like, all right, I know there's an inherent risk. I understand it now. And, and you go for it anyways. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was in my 20s, the reason why I kept at it, it wasn't because I had the proper definition of failure. It's that I was so goal driven and and mm -hmm. all that stuff not always for the right reasons i've talked about that on other shows that it was like i i was going to i was going to succeed or i was going to die like there, there was only two choices so i kept at it but i think it was in my 30s and definitely after selling the last company 10 years ago uh, and starting to do other things that you get a little bit more perspective that i don't know you just get older that you got less financial risk you realize what counts is like 95% of my happiness is like, do I have a good relationship with my kids? You know, if my kids love me, the world's good, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you get some perspective in the quote unquote failures. I mean, it sounds trite, but you know, the future is not your past. You are not, you know, your past and failure is just, it's just an experiment. But like, I, I talked a good game about that when I was about 30 years old, but now you really, I, I really, uh, I really feel it. So, yeah, I guess your priorities change too, right? Priorities change a lot. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I like that. Do All right. we have time for any more, Tara, or are we uh, going into wrap-up mode here? I mean, we're getting near the end, but if there's a, a nice question out there, I don't see why we can't do a real quick response, although we're not known for being quick in our responses. Uh, yeah, no, I, I ramble on, but this is the weekly show. They say I get to ramble and rant. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't you know. This is one. Uh, TC has asked another question. You get a two for today, TC. Um, yeah. what, what about as a parent since you've been talking about dinner at home? You know, I'll, I'll have to think about this because I don't want to um, brush it off, you know, and, and I think that uh, I, I'm sure I've messed up as a parent in a lot of in a lot of ways. And the thing that as could be expected, like that I have the most guilt about is always that I got divorced, you know, and my kids were really small, really only the oldest remembers back before being divorced or getting that news. But, you know, telling the kids that that I, that we were breaking up was 
the second hardest day of my life probably. And I was very fortunate in that, again, because I had just sold a, a business, you know, I chose, I made the choice to spend really the last 10 years as being a parent first and then doing nonprofit work, writing, speaking, but it was really always parent first. So, uh, you know, I've been, like even today, I mean, my my one daughter's off to college. The next one is going into senior year, just started her senior year of high school. And uh, <laughs> Natalie asked me last night, she's old enough to drive. She can drive herself to high school. Whew, wow. Um, <laughs> and she asked me last night, she's like, so dad, are you making my lunches or am I making my lunches? Meaning, am I going to get up at six o'clock in the morning when I don't have to drive her to, to, to school to make her lunch and see her off. And I said, well, I said, I can't promise I'll always do it, but I'll see you in the morning because I just wanted to have that, you know, connection point and see her off. Um, and we'll have dinner, you know, all together tonight. But, you know, it's, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So whether it's, I've got a bad day, so I've barked at them or lost my temper with them, or, you know, um, I think like this year of lead X, first year of a startup is always the most brutal. So I'm certainly not as available to the kids as much as I was the previous nine years, but I'm hoping that there's like the emotional bank account where, you know, I've built up enough goodwill that uh, if they don't see dad around quite as much this year, they won't hold it against me. Well, now that they're teenagers, they're like, yay, less dad around. Yeah, that's, it's very true. It's like, it's, um, <laughs> you can get them at the dinner table. They don't always want to talk. I got great kids, but as teens, it is a little different. Is oh a little yeah, it is. <laughs> I remember. Awesome. Thank you, TC, for that too. I appreciate it. So let us wrap up another week of the of the Lead X show. Thanks for all the, the folks on Facebook for tuning in live and asking your questions. It always gives us some energy, right, Tara? Like really we does. are better when we've got the energy people joining us. So thanks for that. Uh, don't forget, everybody, go to leadx.org slash subscribe. Hit that subscribe button and leave a rating, you know, however many stars you want. That's the best favor you can do for us. It really helps us to build the Lead X family. Submit your question for next week's show by going to leadx.org slash askkevin. Facebook friends, before I lose you, hit that like, hit that share, and then like each other's comments up and down. That's kind of a virtual way to high five each other for showing up and, uh, and, and hanging out. And uh, I think we're good, Tara, right? Anything, any final words of advice or wisdom? Um, no, I think, I think I covered all the wisdom I know. So that's all Including, I've got. <laughs> um, lots of butter and desserts. Oh God, and... don't remind me. <laughs> I'm going to go for um, a run around the block now. <laughs> there's that new soul cycle on 16th. I don't know. Is there? Okay. Cause I do have a, I do have a free pass to flywheel. So I literally have no excuses. <laughs> so feel free, everyone feel free to hold me accountable, you know, email me. Oh. Go on and be like, Tara, did you go to flywheel? Did you go to flywheel? Cause this that's probably going to push me. Yeah. Feel free. All right. hold me you've, got like, down. you've got a hundred thousand monthly accountability partners now. I do. That is too many, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, friends, until next time, remember, leadership is not a choice because leadership is influence. We are all leaders all of the time. You influence in one direction or the other. Are you going to be a positive influencer or a negative influencer? Don't be a bystander in your own life. Be mindful with your influence. How will you lead today?